0: And well, last week, uh, we kicked off a new collection called uh, The Search. And the idea behind this collection was, you know, oftentimes we go to Google when we have certain questions, but what about if we went to God? What if we took the moment and the opportunity to say, what does Scripture uh, has to say uh, in regards to whatever it is that I've got a question about? And it was really to see that we have, that we take a A perspective of responding to the moments of life as a follower of Jesus would. But all those things are just not always known. We have questions. And oftentimes we go to Google. But what if we went to God? And so we kicked that off last week. And the questions weren't questions that were just made up. They were questions that came from you all. Uh, Some of you might remember this back on Easter Sunday. uh, We held a survey that basically said uh, what conversations would you like us to have on Sunday mornings? And as I said last week, um, the reason why we asked that, asked that question, because we want everything that we talk about uh, to be real, relevant, and ratchet. And you're like, what do you mean ratchet? All of us have a ratchet part of us. The part you don't, <laughs> the part you don't tell nobody. The part that you just kind of keep to yourself. Meaning, sometimes, sometimes, When you come in here, we want you to be inspired, of course, but we also want you to walk out feeling like, yo, I think I got called to a higher standard. And not my standard, but the standard of the word of God. And so we got to have those kind of conversations as well. And so last week, the question that perhaps was um, the question asked the most was how to change change. And so we had that conversation, and we, we walked away with the big idea being this. Change doesn't happen with the leap, but it happens by taking a step. So all you got to do is take a step. Don't look at the insurmountable goal of, like, change, because then you will just kind of, like, spaz out, like, I'm good. But if you just take a step, it can begin that process, uh, which is ultimately sanctification, as God says, I'm holy, so you be holy. And he takes us on this journey of sanctification, which is a process. And so uh, today we're going to continue that. Over the next number of weeks, we're going to be answering the question of how do I deal with stress? That was another one um, that you guys asked. And then another one uh, was how to deal with disappointment. But today uh, we're going to answer this question that was the second highest asked question was how to deal with. With family. <laughs> all right, guys, it's been a good one. Let's pray. <laughs> Jesus, we're gonna get all out of here. <laughs> so yeah, you asked it, <laughs> but we're gonna come from the angle the essentials of family, and we're gonna use uh, Proverbs uh, chapter twenty-four and verse three to help guide our conversation this morning. So you can flip with me there. Scroll with me there, or you can join me here on the screen. Proverbs chapter 24, verse 3, it says this. It takes, what does that say? Wisdom Wisdom to have a good family. And it takes understanding to make it strong. Let's pray. Father, we thank you today. Lord, we're grateful for these moments we share. Thank you for the opportunity that we have to get to gather around your word. Lord, let us not take these moments lightly or for granted, Lord. And Father, I pray over these next few moments, God, that you would incline our ears. Allow us to hear what it is that you're speaking to us. Open our eyes. Allow us to see what it is that you're showing us, Lord. God, we thank you. We trust you. We love you. We're your servants. And we say, speak because we're listening. In Jesus' name, everybody said? Amen. Come on, come on. Everybody said? Amen. Amen. Um, how would you describe family? Would, would you use the word interesting? Somebody said very. Now, we, could, we you know, I was going to say we could be honest in here, but some of you already are being honest in here. But the word interesting doesn't have to mean anything bad, right? It could just mean it's interesting. Like, whether it's figuring out, you know, interacting with your parents now that you are a parent, right? Come on. Or maybe it's just figuring out how to navigate some other family dynamics, like your siblings, or like your cousins, and aunts, and uncles, and so on. Like, family can be interesting sometimes. And so, because of that, sometimes we always or often find ourselves busy right now. Anybody ever been busy right now when it's time to check in for the family reunion? Well, you gotta be real. We said real, relevant, and ratchet. Come on. Or, or maybe I'm gonna have to get back to you when it's time to respond to that cookout invitation. And so for some of us. It's not even necessarily extended family, but some of us, we're, we're thinking about our household. We're thinking about in our home. We're trying to navigate young kids. We're trying to navigate having older kids. Some of us maybe even be trying to figure out what does it look like? I've just sent my kid off to college. Some of us, we have prayers and we're having a conversation because we're in a blended situation. So the question that we should all be asking is, Lord, how do I handle family? And I think it's a great question to ask. And one, that if you're not asking, we should all be asking because no matter what kind of family you come from or no, or no matter what kind of family you have now, family is family and it's always going to provide some interesting moments that are going to need the influence of heaven to get through. Are you tracking with me? Now, I believe that of all of us, if we kind of slow down for a minute and look at what's happening in culture today, we realize, if we're honest, that there's an all-out assault on the structure of family. Why? Because the enemy realizes the significance behind a strong, healthy, and godly family. So the question that many of you asked back on Easter Sunday was how to handle family dynamics. And today, we're going to address it and kind of talk around it from a perspective of parenting. But listen, as I say that, you're like, yo, I'm not a parent in here today. Don't check out because these principles uh, will apply to all the relationships that we have. And they will fit whatever context that your relationships um, may be in. So don't check out uh, because we're going to address it really from this idea of relationship. And so, looking at our verse this morning, it says this it takes wisdom to have a good family, and it takes understanding to make it strong. Meaning, it takes more than the books we read, more than the podcasts we listen to, more than any training we may have received. It requires divine inspiration in raising a strong family, and having strong, healthy relationships. It requires what is beyond our intellect, and we need what comes from heaven to have a good family. But along with that, it's not just the wisdom. It's not just the insight, but it's also the understanding of what to do with it, that insight. Because it's one thing to have wisdom or, or it's one thing to have knowledge or an understanding, but it's another thing to know what to do with it. It's another thing to know how to apply what you know. I believe that's usually the missing link between or the difference between healthy parenting or healthy marriages, healthy friendships or any other relationships we have is the ability to apply the knowledge we have. Are you tracking with me this morning? Two of you. (laughs) So the question that we're answering is how to handle family dynamics. And as we kind of get into this, I want you to remember that this is a question that you all answer. And so here is my responsibility. My responsibility is, excuse me, you all asked. And my responsibility is to answer that question based on the word of God. So, I want you to be inspired today, but I also want you to be challenged today, and I also want you to even even sit in your seat and say, I don't necessarily like that he said that, but I understand and see where he's coming from. And I say he, but I'm I'm coming from the word. You're tracking with what I'm saying. Because the idea of all of these things is church can't be the fun, cute, vibe place I don't want you to catch a vibe here. I don't want you to feel like, yo, it's a vibe. But I want you to catch vision for your life. That you walk in here like, yo, I got vision for my marriage. I got vision for my family. I got vision for my career. And so in order for that to be the reality, we got to speak to things at the core of where they're at. Are you tracking with me today? So the essentials of family. The first one we're going to get at is authentic See, some of us, we have figured this out, and my prayer is that all of us will. And it's the truth that there is more to God, there is more to faith, there's more to Jesus than just the Sunday morning experience. Like, don't get me wrong, Sunday mornings are good. Sunday mornings, they're my favorite day of the week. I look forward to a Sunday morning because I love being in community together. I love worshiping together. I love praying together. I love these moments that we get to gather around scripture together. But listen, family, that's just not it. Because here's, here's what I've seen become the problem. The problem comes when we take that same approach to our faith. It's kind of like what LaRonte was talking about earlier, that at one point in his journey, his faith was mostly only found on Sunday. But we can't take that same approach when it comes to our faith. We have shaped our faith or the expression of our faith around Sunday. And then the rest of the week, we're just kind of quiet. So then what, it gets kind of weird when we tell our coworker, like, yo, you should come to Welcome Home Sunday. They're like, what you talking about? Church? I didn't know. <laughs> All right, no tomatoes, okay? But what happens when we live this way is that we're not just, we're not only sending mixed signals to ourselves, but we're also sending mixed signals to others. And more important than that is the signals that we're sending to our family. That when the moment comes when either our kids or who, someone else that we're in a relationship with or just people within our family, when they're going through a tough moment, when they hit a tough spot, and and we try to lead them in some kind of way, in the way of the Lord, the response that we may get back could be, why are you trying to get me to live that way now when I didn't see you live that way yourself? Why do you want me to believe what you're saying when it seems that based on how you live outside of Sunday, you don't even really believe that yourself? Now the questions, listen, hear me please, These questions or these statements are not ones of condemnation. Please understand that. Sometimes we get condemnation and conviction confused. But condemnation is all these things of pointing out, like, your problems and your issues and never having that frame in the context of love and freedom that life in Jesus brings. So when the Lord, when the Holy Spirit convicts us, he's not saying, shame on you, Michael. He is saying, yo, Michael, there is more in you. You're living small. Look at this life that I have for you. So you can't say that the smallness that you feel is because of me, but it's the smallness that you're living is because of how you have placed yourself in a tent. And so condemnation feels like, yo, you messed up, you missed the mark, you'll never be better, and you just stay there. That's condemnation. Conviction says, yo, there is more for you than what's inside that tent. So why don't you get outside this tent and live this open, spacious, big life That I have made available for you. So these questions are not ones of condemnation, family, but rather they present us with an opportunity to kind of pause, do some introspective work, and ask ourselves is my faith authentic or is my faith circumstantial? I don't want a circumstantial faith, I want an authentic faith. Like Micah said earlier no matter what I'm feeling, No matter what I'm doing, no matter what the moments of life has presented, this truth is still the truth. God, you are good. And I put my hope, my faith, my confidence, my trust in you. I want my faith to be authentic. Sometimes in the culture that we live in, we can lift our hands and we can praise God because the bank account looks good, because the health is good, because the car is full of gas and it works, because we just went to the beach and we already got the next vacation planned. But what happens, family, if those things are no longer, if those things are no more? Can we lift up our hands? Can we sing the song of gratitude and say you are good, say you are holy, say you are worthy, and here I am living in full confidence of you. We want our faith to be authentic. I never want to be a part of a church that we're just a bunch of gathering, a gathering of casual Christians. But we're strong and we're rooted and founded and we live in the word of God. So will there be, are there different spaces and gatherings that you can connect to where things, you know, may sound better, look better, feel better, be better. And this is nothing against any of that. Yes, those things probably exist. But family, I have a mandate. I have the call of God to always be truthful and open and honest with you from scripture. That's it. And then we hear it and we get to decide what we're going to do with it. You know why? Because I have to answer these same questions myself. So I can't have these conversations from this platform and never live these things myself. I have to live even beyond what I'm trying to call all of us up to, a standard of living. And so it's a question that we must ask ourselves. Is our faith authentic or circumstantial? Proverbs 14 and 26. Well, before I read that, I, want to, I guess this is what I'm getting at. Our lives should be marked by the fear of the Lord. And you say that that should be the difference between, you know, someone who says, yo, I don't lie. I don't cheat. I don't steal. I don't kill. I'm good and I'm moral. Why do I need your Jesus. The difference between us and that person should be that our lives, well, one, we're empowered by the Holy Spirit because when you say yes to Jesus, the Spirit of God lives and dwells in you and gives you the power to live out this Christian life and allows us to do things in and of ourselves we would not uh, do, right? Like, you, you disrespect me. I want to punch you. But it's the Spirit of God. So it's like, yo, don't do that. You got a family. You understand? Right? <laughs> So (laughs) that's one of the differences. But the other differences is like our lives should be marked by the fear of the Lord. Not like you're afraid of him like the hyenas in Lion King, but in in the sense, in, in the sense of like, who, like no, but in the sense of like, yo, like God, I honor you. Like I respect you. Like, man, who you are, I'm not worthy of. And that's what it means, it's it's a reverence. Proverbs 14, 26 says reverence for God gives a man deep strength. His children have a place of refuge and security. See, the fear of the Lord becomes a well of strength that we can draw from. Because when you hold the Lord in such a place of honor, your heart is positioned to to please him in all aspects of your life. So, No longer are you leading from your ideas, but you're seeking the heart of God. You're seeking the thoughts of God. And so now when it comes to leading your family, as a result... You're creating for your family a place of refuge, a place of safety, a place of security. And so for your family, they have this understanding that your decisions are being made from a source that is greater than you. Like, I know mom and dad went to the Lord on this. So I trust how they're leading us. I trust what he is saying to us, what she is saying to us, because their source is the Lord. You have the Holy Spirit who is guiding you in the decisions you make in the discipline you bring, and in the conversations you have. Not just in parenting, but this should be our approach to marriage and all of the other relationships that we have. We must tap into all of God to be able to navigate and live life well. And it begins with having a holy reverence for God and who he is, that that fear of the Lord becomes a source of strength. And so that first essential is that we must have authentic faith. And the next essential is this. With that, we need intentional schedules. You know, if you talk to anyone today, you will discover that they are busy. I'm, I'm busy, bro. Girl, I'm busy. I ain't gonna be able to come through. <laughs> like, for real, think about it. <laughs> the five-year-old, your five-year-old, your, your son, your daughter, your niece, your nephew, your cousin, whoever, they have a schedule. They're like, no, nah, I can't do that. I can't swing that, auntie, because I got soccer. Volleyball. No, I got volleyball on that day. No, my brother got football. And then there's dance. Oh, but then daddy got the business. Mommy getting the vacation together. And you know, everybody is busy. The five-year-old has a schedule. We're all busy. In fact, these days, we wear busyness. As a badge of honor, I bet I'm over, I'm busier than you. Let me see your calendar. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? But listen, family, we can't allow busyness to be the detriment of our family. Which means we're going to have to be intentional with our schedules, even more than to even more than the degree we think we are doing now. Listen, the goal is not living a life of balance, but rather a life of rhythm. And life is, life is rarely balanced. Oftentimes you hear people say, I just need more balance in my life. But life is rarely balanced because depending on what season of life you're in, there are things that are just going to pull on you more and require more from you than in other seasons. So I got a friend right now, a couple friends, who uh, just had a baby. They sleep ain't balanced they like a dead man walking. they zombies out here, right? So this idea of balance is just not a reality. But there's a a rhythm you can kind of try to to gain. Sometimes the the business you just started, so it might require a little bit more of you. But then as the flow happens and then you catch it, it don't require as much hands-on as it used to. So it's not balance, but it's a rhythm. I like to compare it to the beat of your favorite song. Like that beat is not balanced. Everything's not necessarily all the same. There's so many different things happening in it. Like you don't get the same amount of drums as you get keys or the same amount of guitars. You get maybe some horns, but what you get is a sound that has a rhythm to it, and just maybe you can catch that beat. And if you got rhythm, you can flow with it. Even if your rhythm was like me, you can flow with it. I didn't dance at our wedding. I was like, those people will not see that. (laughs) Leave it to your imagination. It ain't good. Is he okay? (laughs) But life is like that. It's like the beat of your favorite song. It's not going to be balanced, but it creates, there's a, there's a, 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 a flow that you can catch with it. And so that's the same when it comes to our schedules, family. We don't want so much job, but so little family time. We don't want no tomatoes, okay? We don't want so much sports that we're not connecting in community with our spiritual family, which means we need to be intentional. Ecclesiastes 4.6 says this, it is better to have only a little with peace of mind than be busy all the time. Sometimes intentionality, because could busyness be the reason why you're anxious? Could it be the source of what feels like depression? Because you're, you're juggling, you're trying to do all these things that you just don't have to do. So sometimes intentionality means evaluating what needs to be reduced, but then having the courage to reduce it. Like we must discover that sometimes less is more. Culture tells us. More, more, more. Secure the bag. Get money. Do all of this. And for what? Because when you go, somebody else gets it. I'm not saying do the things to provide well for your family and and have generational wealth and inheritance because the Bible talks about that as well. But not at the expense of what matters and what is eternal your soul will live on. And so those things we must pay attention to, and that may mean we have to do some evaluating and realize and discover that sometimes less is more. And so the question that we're asking or should be asking is this, is the busy, hectic schedule worth my peace? It's trying to keep all of this. It's trying to maintain all of this is it worth my peace? Is it worth my sanity? Now, I don't want you guys to, to sit there and think like, but he's missing some things. He's, he's not getting what all of this is for, what we're trying to accomplish. Like, I know that there's a tension as parents that we often face. That in our attempt to give our kids the experiences we never had we unintentionally sacrifice the things they need. Like, I know we want them to have things better than what we did. And it doesn't mean that what you came from was bad, but you still want to give your kids better than what you did. But sometimes we, we get so consumed and caught up in that. And, like, at the heart of it, it is a very good thing. Like, hear that, Please. But sometimes in our attempt to do those things, to give them the experiences that we didn't have, we unintentionally sacrifice the things that they need. Like they need dinner around the table more than dinner in the car. Like, let's sit around the table. Let's have a conversation. Listen, how was your day? What things are you dealing with? What things are you facing? Especially in the generation that we're in, your kids are younger, um, Like, as a millennial, I came up with the technology. And so I had an understanding of what it was like to have a conversation and be able to express myself. But kids now, they're born with this stuff already existing, right? And so that means they know nothing else prior to technology and and screens and things of that nature. So it makes it very difficult to communicate or actually... um, build real community that's not confined with uh, a social media platform or some type of text group or whatever. So what you're doing when you're sitting at that table, you are teaching them how to have a conversation. You're teaching them how to express the feelings that they have, good, bad, or indifferent. And as a parent, you get to give them the wisdom on how to navigate the anxiety that they feel, the depression that they feel. But If everything seems good because we're going everywhere and we're at every place, we're realizing we're just suppressing all of that down to the moment that something that can't be undone happens, right? And so as parents, this is our responsibility to step up and say, no, it may not be every night. That's not what I'm suggesting, but it's saying, we're going to find time. We're going to make the time to sit around the table. That they need dinner around the table more than they need dinner in the car. That they need conversations more than they need devices in the latest viral video. That they need a game night rather than a night with another game. Like, I understand sports. I, I play sports and in high school and in college, and all those things. But it can't come at the expense of the eternity of my child. That there are greater things that I could be teaching them than we have a week consumed with five different activities. But God, we never open up the word of God as a family. Family, what matters? Like, what are the things that we're really pursuing and we're really teaching our kids? And so having been a youth pastor, this is what I experienced. Hey, can you talk to Johnny? I didn't say this, but in my mind, this is where I was. Why do you want me to talk to Johnny now when you never had Johnny here before? What can I do now? Johnny's made up his mind. Johnny's becoming the man at this point that he has chosen to become. And so hear me. This is love, family. Because you didn't show him that spiritual family and connecting with God ever matter, he doesn't see why it matters now just because I'm making a decision that you don't like. And so what we have to do at the time that we have is stop and pause and say, am I discipling my kids, my family, my family? into the right thing. This is not a message against sports. Isaiah and Titus is going to be into it. He's signing them up now. He's trying, to, he's trying to go between his legs. I'm like, bruh, can you just bounce the ball without looking? So don't think this is a message about that. But this is understanding that you are a great and significant source for your kids. We can't necessarily rely on school to do it. We can't necessarily rely on all these other things to, to solely do it. That's what I'm saying. But it takes a community. It, it takes a village. So let all of us do our part in seeing our kids be raised strong and healthy and vibrant, vibrant and have the opportunity to be presented with the gospel, not just in word, but in action and how it's lived out. And then at that point, it's on them to respond, right? But we have to at least give them the chance to see it and have it presented. So please don't take this as a message or conversation of get sports and activity. Absolutely not. But this is a reminder for us to be intentional with our schedules and to see how are we discipling our kids. Because as we say, there's not enough time. Well, understand that is still true to the time. That's also true to the time we have with them. It's not enough time. Meaning they soon will be out of our direct care. And we want to make sure that we take the time to disciple them into the things that are eternal. And not into the things that are temporary just for a moment. Are y'all tracking with me this morning? Here's what happens as we become intentional with our schedules. We set them up to discovering purpose. Listen, purpose is so important because purpose becomes a checkpoint to how we live our life. Like when you have purpose or when you live life on purpose and in purpose, it will impact the choices you make in life because you're considering how it affects your walk with Christ. That purpose actually affects the first two essentials. It affects how uh, if you live your um, faith authentically. It, it affects how intentional you are with your schedule. And so as, as parents and in all the other relationships we have, it's important to lead those we're doing life with into the direction of discovering Purpose. If we can lead our families into discovering purpose, then we're building strong individuals who will live life on mission. Look at what Paul says in Acts 20, verse 24. He says, however, I consider my life worth nothing to me. My only aim is to finish the race and complete the task the Lord Jesus has given me. The task of testifying to the good news of God's grace. This is what Paul is saying. Paul is saying that purpose was greater than anything else. That purpose was greater than any shipwreck. It was greater than any snake bite. It was greater than any persecution he felt because he had purpose. What if we lived in such a way that those that we are connected to, whether our children, cousins, aunts, uncles, friends, whoever, that we position them to discover purpose and to live life on purpose, in purpose, and understanding that there is a mission and an opportunity greater than them that the Lord has given them to connect to. It is so vital that we lead our families into discovering purpose because, listen, family, one day they will experience trials, trouble, and temptation. But when they come, because they have purpose, they continue to march on. They continue to move forward because they have purpose and let me tell you this if you feel like your life is too jacked up too messed up and you're far too gone listen if you have a pulse then you still have a purpose you are not too messed up you are not too jacked up in fact if you say yes to Jesus and what he wants to do in your life then you are the prime candidate to be used by the Lord and to make a difference into this world that there are plans for you still, that there is a hope for you still, that there is a future for you still. Family, you have purpose. And as we discover our purpose, we see the importance of this next essential, which are the right relationships. You know, you guys hear me say that often, that if we're going to get life right, we must get relationships right. You know how they say, show me your friends, I'll show you your future? It's because relationships matter. I heard one the other day was like, yo, your income will reflect your five closest friends. Some of y'all are like, man, I'm broke. I'm like, "Nah." i just <laughs> I had to say it. <laughs> I had to say it. But listen, all of this points to the importance of right relationships. But listen, this, this collection, it's not about going to Google, but it's instead about going to God. So look at what Scripture says. Proverbs 27 and 19, it says this, a mirror reflects a man's face or a woman's face, but what he is really like is shown by the kind of friends he chooses. In other words, your friendships matter. Like, and let me say this, parents, you have a say in who your kids are friends with. Amen. You have a say. You absolutely do. And, it, and, and your say begins in prayer. Like, Lord, help me. Give me discernment about Johnny. Give me discernment about Susie. Let me know that we need to say, yeah, you're not kicking it with them no more, that we, we do that, right? Ask the Lord for discernment when it comes to who your kids are hanging out with and who they're spending their time. Look, you need to go law and order, CSI. Well, no, not CSI, but like anything, <laughs> anything that is investigated. Like you need to investigate you need to get your magnified glass. You need to do all of that. Like get the phone, like figure out everything that they try to figure out with the technology. Like, like go take a tutorial. Like go get some training on how to stay up on the latest technology so that you can figure these things out. Right? It's important. But you have a say in these things. If they live in your house, if they eat your food, if they're under that roof, if you take them to soccer, you take them to basketball, you feed them, you, care, you have a say. I don't care how smart they are. I don't care about none of that stuff. Like, you in this house, and as for me in my house, we will serve the Lord, and here's what that looks like. You can't be cool with him right now. You have a say in that, right? It's okay. It's not dismissive. Hey, we're going to pray for Johnny. As soon as he gets saved, boom, y'all can kick it. You know what I mean? I got to stop using Johnny. I got to use another name, Johnny. (laughs) But you have a say in that. But this is also true, family, for who influences us. Who are the people that you're allowing to speak into your life? Like, pay attention to the proximity that you give people in your life. The Bible says this in Proverbs 13:20. It says, he who walks with the wise grow wise, but a companion of fools suffers harm. Are you choosing wisdom or foolishness, right? We get to decide by the proximity that we give people. And you want to make sure those you live life out with are adding value to you, not taking it away, right? So you need a Paul. You need an authoritative voice who pastors you and prays for you. By the way, Mr. Johnson, thank you for this. I told you I was going to give you credit when I used it. But you need a Barnabas, a peer friendship who will encourage you and pray with you. But then you also need a Timothy. Someone that you're pouring into, someone that you're praying for. Here's what I'm saying. We must get relationships right. I got to hurry up. I told you, when y'all hang on a point and I stay there, it's not my fault. But we're going to finish. We're going to get out of here, okay? (laughs) But we must get relationships right. But listen, we can't get relationships right without grace, grace, grace. Are you thankful for God's grace this morning? Like, come on. Consider for a moment the grace of God. It's his grace that amazes us. It's his grace that sustains us. It's his grace that empowers us. I'm so thankful for the grace of God that he chose to forgive us in all the things that we've done and the things that we continue to do. Listen, only God can do that. It's nothing that we deserve. It's nothing that we earn. It is absolutely God's unmerited favor. It is a gift from God. We can't earn it. It's completely undeserving. And listen, family, that is the same framework that we should have when it comes to our relationships. We have to give them some grace. There's not a relationship in the world that exists that does not need, that we don't need grace for. Relationships are tough, they're difficult, and anything can happen, which means this, we need to be ready to extend grace. Family, they didn't text back because they just discovered the worst news of their life. You haven't heard from them because they're trying to deal with pain that they can't process in this moment. I can't stand them. They don't text me back. Give grace, family. Give grace because you're going to need that same grace, right? We can't hold people to this line of perfection that they can't live up to because the moment they miss it, then we just drop the hammer. Like, well, then I'm done. I ain't talking to you no more. Now, I'm talking to y'all, but I'm talking to me because I'm like, well, fine then. That's cool. I ain't going to talk to you no more. I can't do that. That's foolishness because I need grace as well. Consider with your kids. Consider that in your marriage. Consider that in your relationships, your friendships. People are not perfect, which means we need to extend grace. And here's why. Because you're going to need that same grace. We're going to need that same grace. I'm going to need the same grace. I'm going to miss it in my marriage. I'm going to miss it in my parenting. I'm going to miss it in how I pastor. And you know what I'll need in that moment? Grace. I'm going to need grace. Ephesians 4.32 says, be kind and compassionate to one another. Micah, would you come and play for me so I can stop talking? But Ephesians 4.32, it says this, be kind and compassionate to one another, forgiving each other, just as in Christ God forgave you. Choosing compassion and forgiveness gives us the opportunity to extend or to express what God expressed towards us through Jesus. And I think as we close this morning, what we often miss in relationships is that the value of honesty, authenticity, and vulnerability. Like, we miss those. But there's so much value in honesty in a relationship, so much value in authenticity, so much value in being vulnerable. And if we would make these a priority in our relationships, we would have the relationships we desire. And the first step of saying that looks like this. Acknowledge your mistakes. I need to acknowledge my mistakes Like, it's a joke between us now. But I remember one time I I told Katie, I was like, yo, I'm not saying you're wrong. I'm just saying I'm right. (laughs) And the truth is, family, I'm pretty sure I was probably wrong. Even then I said probably. I'm pretty sure I was wrong. I miss it. And I make mistakes. But listen, I'm not the only one. We all do. And if we can't admit that, consider Romans 3.23 that says, For all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We miss the mark. We make mistakes, family. But it's important that we acknowledge the mistakes we make if we want to have healthy relationships. It's essential to parenting, to marriage, to any relationship that we have. We must acknowledge our mistakes and that we don't always get it right. It's essential to every relationship that we acknowledge those mistakes because it shows that we care more about the health of the relationship than whether we're right or not. And then next, don't look to get even. Somebody does you wrong. They said something that was off. Like they just, they missed it. Like don't go delete their number. Just Chill. Romans 12, 19 says, friends, do not avenge yourselves. Instead, leave room for God's wrath because it is written, Vengeance belongs to me. I repay, says the Lord. So don't worry about trying to get even. Instead, remember the grace that you were shown. So guess what? Go show that same grace. Now, what I'm not saying, subject yourself to an unhealthy environment or situation. It just means you're, you're not trying to repay the person. That's not your concern. You've given that to the Lord. And then lastly, apply God's grace to my relationships to realize this love that I have received from the Lord, the grace that I have received, and give that same grace. Here's the thing, family. You can't give grace without receiving grace. And we all have received the grace of God. So go give that same grace. Would you pray with me this morning?